Uh, if you have your Bible or a Bible app, or if you just want to be lazy and look up here, I'll have it behind me. But if sometimes it helps to be studied on your own Bible, 1 Thessalonians, we're going to end chapter 2 and go through all of chapter 3 tonight in 15 minutes. So um, uh, I, what we've been talking about with 1 Thessalonians is that this is a really interesting book. It's the first uh, letter that Paul wrote to a church. Um, and he had gone through, had three weeks to really preach and be in this community before they ran him out. You know this stuff if you've been coming the past couple weeks, but it's refresher, and if you haven't been. Um, and so, yeah, he was run out of Thessalonica, but uh, went to another town, went to another town, and um, eventually Timothy made his way back to check on the Thessalonians, and then he met with Paul to check, uh, kind of report back in. So Paul had sent him to check on them, see how they were doing. And you're going to see in this part of the letter, he was worried because he knew the enemy was going to be attacking them. He was worried about how they were doing as a young church, as young believers. And so the first chapter and a half, I have felt, and so we've talked about the last two weeks, show a really a great outward side of church. That is, um, we talked about what the message could be and what the messenger could be. So if you remember that, we talked about how the message could, you know, be words, but should also be power. And we talked about the messenger, and we had a list of, like, way too many things for you to remember. But if you took home the, the handout, that you would, you probably have been praying over them all week long. So um, then I don't know that he necessarily shifts gears, but the way that I'm using it for the teaching series, I'm saying that he shifts gears, okay? And really, it's just the whole letter is him just saying, I missed you guys, I love you guys, I believe in you guys. Here's the things I hope I imparted to you. Here's what I hope you're still doing. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today is here's what I hope you're still doing. Like, hey, you're a new church. You're believers. Here's what you need to do to stay strong, I think is kind of what this part is. So we're going to read a lot of verses together today, um, but we're going to stop in between them and talk about them a little bit. And, and that's what we're going to do. So first off, though, if you were, if you were going to like, you know, if you ever watched those nature uh, Discovery Channel stuff. I, I'm a big fan. Matea and I both like to watch the, the Disney ones. Like, um, they did the one where they followed the bear and the bear cub all through. And, like, everybody see that? Did you see the clams that he dug out of the mud? The clams were, like, this big. Never knew. I never even knew those existed. When he pulled out, I was like, whoa. And, uh, but I always liked the, 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 the cat ones, not, like, house cats. Um, I do like house cats. But wild cats, like cheetahs and lions and tigers. And uh, ironically, when Mandy and I were dating, um, I, I was, when we first started dating, I was in a winter session in college. And so the only time I had to hang out with her was like past 7.30 at night, right? Because you're just in school and it's dark all day and all night. And it's what it, that's what I remember about winter sessions. It's the most depressing time of the year. And so I would go up late night and spend a couple hours with Mandy. And we would just like flop on the couch because she was working three jobs. I was in school and either working or volunteering here. And so we would just turn on the, the TV and kind of hang out. And it was almost always either Discovery Channel or Jay Leno. You can judge us if you want to. Um, but there's, so there's this little bit of history in our relationship where watching Discovery Channel is special. I don't know why. Um, but I always like to watch the hunters, the hunter cats. And what do they do? Like if they attack a herd, what's their strategy? Come on, this is so easy. Yeah, they go for the weakest. And what do they do? Wow, that was more than I was bargaining for, Bill. Okay. Uh, there you go. Christine knows where this is going. See, you knew, but you're just messing with me. She, you separate them from the flock or the herd. That too, right? That too. That's what you meant. Um, yeah, they isolate it. Because like, no matter how weak you are, if you're surrounded by a bunch of strong ones, whatever it is, you know, 
caribou. Would that work? Okay. Elk? Elk? Deer? Antelope. Antelope. Okay, thanks, Karis. You're going you're gonna to isolate. This is all I'm going to do is talk about Discovery Channel. i got five more minutes, and we're done. Um, so you're going to isolate so you can hunt. If you're still in the pack, you're safe. It's like not rocket science, but I think that's the message of this part of the letter. So let's read it. If you're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you, hear that? For a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. We wanted to come see you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Isn't that interesting? For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Okay, side note that I couldn't fit into any of the teachings, but this verse is really powerful, and it doesn't fit into the teaching series. So just, like, put this away on a different shelf. What is our hope? our joy, and the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you asked me that question without me reading this verse, I would say a lot of other things. But Paul's answer is people he's ministered to. Isn't that interesting? What is our joy, our hope, and the crown of glory that we'll receive when we go to heaven and see Jesus face to face? Is it not you, the people we've ministered to? I remember um, I was at a winter retreat and it's kind of having like a crisis of faith a little bit. Not faith, but a crisis of faith in myself, I guess. Like, what am I doing with my life? This was a while ago. I had, I had a little bit of a season where I really questioned whether I should be in youth ministry. And I was at this winter retreat. Um, this was a couple years after I had started running the winter retreats. And I was just sitting in the back of the room. There was a teenage worship team leading worship. There were teenagers praying. Holy Spirit was going. And the Holy Spirit in me kind of just gave me like this vision of um, all these teenagers that I had had a chance to be a part of their life at that point. And like way more than I would have thought, right? And he just began to speak to me like, um, I met someone through the whole vineyard who had come to East Coast of Flame conference years ago. And because of that, I'd become a youth pastor and is now a youth pastor in our region, touching more youth's lives. And so... It was just like a glimpse for, for God to encourage me that this is what it's about. It's about the people that you minister to. And so often we don't think about that. We think it's about so many other things, right? Um, whatever, our prayer lives or um, our Bible knowledge. And while those are important, I think it's really powerful just to remind that the person that you minister, the person that you take that meal to, or the person that you talk to about Jesus, or the person you pray for or visit late at night or whatever, you know, like— that is your joy, even when it's a sacrifice. That is your hope, right? Like when we're, when we're hopeless or downcast or fearful, one of the greatest things we can do to combat that is to give, right? To minister, to reach out to someone, to get outside of ourselves. What is our crown in heaven? What connects us to Jesus? If you're feeling distant from Jesus, if you're feeling a lack of his presence in your life, minister, you know? Like sometimes— I've been in a couple of times where like the, the big guy up on the stage, right, invites people up and he's like, if you need something, line up here. Okay, now those of you who are going to pray, line up here. Now he's like, no, switch it. Because he's the point he's trying to make is like, you know, if you really think you need to receive, first thing you should do is give. You know, there's, there's a, a blessing in giving. So, but not part of the teaching. But that verse is super powerful. 
What I wanted to focus on is that Satan blocked Paul's way. He, he, he had a strategy. Satan had a strategy to divide the flock. He had a strategy to, to divide the Christians for all of their demise. He wanted to keep Paul and his guys from the church. Why? So the church could not have a leader. And he wanted to keep the church from Paul because they would be an encouragement to Paul. He, he's going to write about how this, this not knowing how they were doing was like weighing on him and was eating away at him and if he could just be connected to them. So both sides were suffering by being disconnected, right? So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to, to be left by ourselves and we sent Timothy. So finally, like, we can't take it anymore because they couldn't like check Facebook and see how they were doing, right? I mean, this was just word of mouth. So... Um, he was our brother and coworker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in our faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. So they're like, we know you're young in faith. Here are these guys come, tell you about how awesome Jesus and then is. And then three weeks later, they're whatever, in prison. They're being persecuted. They're being chased out of town. We're thinking, I wonder if that destroyed your faith. Wouldn't you be thinking that? You know, the first thing that you want when you become a Christian isn't to be met with the hard truth that Christianity is difficult, right? You want at least a season of, of bliss. So in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, which I think is, is great. And it turned out that way, as you well know, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith because I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that my labors, our labors, might have gone in vain. I think, I think that's interesting. You know, I think it's, something to, to remember that Satan resists community. And, and you can see it in your life. I can see it in my life. You know, anytime that you are wanting to do something that's going to produce life in your, in your marriage or in your relationship with God or in your relationship with your kids, through community, Satan resists it. You know? I mean, how hard is it to get to church? And just think about all the things that happen before you go to church. With or without screaming at your children. That would be one of them. Right. You need to just like, Sarah, just, okay. <laughs> Sarah's like patting him like a child. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, fights. I, I bet if you graphed uh, a chart of the week, you know, stuff before meetings would spike, like marital fights and kid fights, kid sicknesses, you know, things breaking, irritation, frustration, problems, coffee spills. You know, I mean, seriously, I've had all of those things in the same morning, you know, trying to get to church. Um, Satan resists us. He does. He resists us. He makes us tired. He'll give you a headache. You know, I mean, he, we think those things are like, look at you, Satan. And I don't, I don't like to be like looking for Satan behind every rock. But at the same time, I think maybe we err on not seeing the fact that he really hates when we gather together. And if he could keep you away from playing your part, from giving, from ministering, from using your gifts, from receiving from the gifts of others, then he's won a victory. You know, I think that's one reason why he's overjoyed that, you know, statistically in America, church attendance has gone down dramatically. People go 50% of Sundays now, and that's regular church attendance is considered 50%. That's regular church attendance. That's a huge victory for the enemy because he knows if he can keep us away from each other and separated from each other, right, that he's going to have greater power over us. Okay, so let's keep reading. Timothy has just come now and told us from you, and it, no, wait, hold on, has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us. That always sounds, that's always good, isn't it? When people have pleasant memories of you. 
and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. What's great in this is the give and take. But what I want to focus in on is the faith of others strengthens us when we're weak. So the title of this teaching, if I had one, would be something like community, the community of Christ overcomes the power of the enemy. Okay? And I would have had more time to make it catchier than that because that's a lot of words for a title. But the community of Christ overcomes the power of the enemy. And the first way, I'm going to have three. The first way is that by being together, we encourage one another. That each other's faith strengthens ours. Have you ever had that when, you know, you have had a struggle in a certain area and then you find some victory or you find you've walked through it with Jesus and it's, you know, it's left its scars, but you've also gained some wisdom. You've gained some clarity. And then boom, you start meeting people in the same place. And like all of a sudden the trial that you had becomes the gift that you have to give, right? We have the faith that grows inside of us is not just for us. Oftentimes it's for other people. And he, and he says this, he says, we were, even when we were being persecuted, we were encouraged because of your faith. We're encouraged by the testimony of what God's doing. How many times have you been going through a hard time and you hear someone else's testimony and you're just like, man, all right, you know, God did that. God can work in this area of my life. The testimony from each other is so powerful. And, and that concept of surrounding each other when we're weak, surrounding each other when we're struggling or going through a trial. You know what we all do is we all isolate, don't we? Something's going wrong in your home, in your marriage, in your life. You, we isolate, we separate, we go into our own thing. And our reaction to people doing that when we see someone isolating is we leave them alone. Like that's my gut reaction. You want to be left alone. You need some time. You need some space. Sometimes you even reach out to people and they say no. Case in point, I'm married to Mandy. She says no to all help at any time from anyone, right? And so, you know, I mean, you know that most of you know that Matea's been in the hospital this week. And so some people have just force-fed us, literally, they have just dropped meals off on our porch without even telling us it was coming, right? Just like food, eat it or it goes bad, which is something that we couldn't allow to happen being duns. I mean, that is like written in our DNA. Food does not go bad, right? Is that 10-day-old chicken okay to eat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Five-year-old ranch dressing? Totally good. We lived with my dad for a month and a half in between houses, and we... we we cleaned out a lot of stuff in his house that, I don't know, he just keeps it around. Just in case someone wants some aged mayonnaise. It's like wine. It gets better. Better with age. No. Come on, keep it shut. You try. No one's going to listen to this podcast, I hope. They're going to be like, what was going on with Gary that night? Um, but... But that's the opposite of what the Lord wants, right? We need to run to each other, even when we're pushing each other away. We need to overcome that. We need to see through that, right? Isolationism is not God's, God's intention. And that doesn't mean like introverts 
you're screwed, right? Like it's okay to be an introvert. It's okay to have your space, but there's ways to have community while being an introvert. It's called texting. And you can text all you want. No, I mean, you need, to find, you need to find your ways of doing community. I do think even as an introvert, you need to find those smaller settings, whatever, that's safe and comfortable. Um, and you also need to stretch yourself sometimes. You know, um, I love to hear what's going on in other people's lives. So the stretching for me can be to talk about myself. Like, um, you know, I, I would much rather ask you questions, but that's, that's just artificial in one way, right? So, okay, the faith of others strengthens us. Secondly, community is worth fighting for. That's what I get out of this. Like, he's saying Satan resisted us, but we fought through it. We prayed, we, we went out of our way, we made new plans. We're like, okay, well, we'll send Timothy. Like, community is worth fighting for. So just think about that and apply it to your life. Schedule changes are worth it. Sacrifices are worth it, right? Laying down other things that might get in the way of Christian community is worth it. It is, you know? And, and it's, it's worth it for you as the giver. It's worth it, worth it for them as the receiver or vice versa, you know? To get out to those meetings that you feel like it's another meeting. Now, there's balance in this too, right? I mean, if the church schedules something every day and every night, like, you know, I probably shouldn't do that. So, but I'm just saying, you need to find what community God's called you into. And then you and I need to fight through the natural resistances that are going to happen because it's worth it. Community is worth it. So how do we overcome the enemy? One, by the faith of others. Really, have you heard that song? It talks about like, um, you don't have faith so you can borrow mine. It's really, I think it's a really cheesy Christian song. But that line's always stuck with me. Like, you know, if you're, you're not feeling strong, I'm feeling strong. You can take my strength right now. You know, um, praying over people, specific verses, you know, that you know that they need. Okay, the faith of others, community's worth fighting for. And third, probably my favorite verse in this whole section, um, verse 11, may God the Father of our, uh, sorry, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Verse 12 is the one. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. So last point to overcome the enemy, our love must increase and overflow. And what's great about this verse, I love, is it's if in the context of the th- first three chapters that we've been talking about. He's been talking about kind of how we reach other people. And now, remember I told you, we would do two weeks on that and then two weeks of what's happening inside. So this is a little bit of what's happening on the inside of a church, right? So we're gathering, we're, we're overcoming the enemy with the strength of each other's faith, with the power of community it's worth fighting for, and with loving each other more and more and more. We need to learn to love more and better. Let your love increase and overflow. That's not just a one-time command. That's, Lord, how can we love each other better? How can we love the body of Christ more? That's important. We have to, if we want to reach the world, we have to have something for them to come to. If they walk into a loveless church or a superficial church or a shallow church, right, there's not going to be anything to, that calls deep, calls, calling unto deep in the, the depths of their heart where they're longing for love, where they're longing for true relationship, where they're longing for love that is no strings attached, that's, that's powerful, that's Christ's love flowing through us. So guys, let our love increase and overflow. And it's, it's so cool how he's wrapping it together for each other, and for everyone else. Like, but don't forget about each other. But don't forget about everyone else. And isn't that the pendulum? 
You know, and some of the books that I, that I read about churches, like churches do really good at one, loving each other, awesome community, we're a family, we're a hospital, but they're not great at reaching the community. Or they're, we're so seeker sensitive, so seeker driven, like this one church that I, uh, I just met a guy from where they would do uh, live tattooing on stage every Sunday because it drew people in. You, and you would get a free tattoo. So that would draw people in too. Free tattoo on stage and they'd kind of like talk based on the tattoo, sort of. Huh? All right, let's go. It's going to be a big heart because that's let love increase, Okay. Like concentric hearts getting bigger and bigger. The Grinch heart. He said the same thing. Whoa, you guys should talk afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, so anyway, like, you know, you could probably go overboard. Right? You could go to just, you know, all deep, all wide. Remember, I just keep beating this drum. But somewhere there's, I believe, both. Right? Let your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else and for each other and for everyone else and for each other. And they feed each other. So our love must increase and overflow. And we must leave because the Super Bowl party is starting in 20 minutes. So, amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the Bible because I love it. And I know everyone in this room loves it. And the word of God is relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And we, we need it. I pray that as we study First Thessalonians, it would be digging our roots deeper in the Word of God, which is true, which is truth. God, that our lives would be built upon it. And I pray for the, this power of community. I pray that as we face the enemy and as we face the trials of life, God, that, that we would rise above uh, by the, the strength of our Christian community, God, that we would see that it's worth fighting for and that our love for each other would overflow. God, I pray that verse would stick with us as we walk out tonight and as we go in the rest of the week, God, let our love increase and overflow. Let our love increase and overflow. Let our love increase and overflow. God, let that verse get stuck in our minds and let us seek your face and seek revelation. God, would you reveal what that looks like for our love to increase and overflow, God? Would you reveal that to our hearts even now? God, let us become um, just better and better at that in Jesus' name. More filled with your love, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not going to offer prayer ministry today so that you don't feel like you have to stay.